what advice would you give an aspiring investor who's six to 12 months behind you? I say, start with a mentor, take action, learn everything you can, but don't just spend all your time learning, you know, be, be able to go make yourself uncomfortable, take action. And as you take action, you're going to see what the next action is you need to take. It, it will become apparent as you move through it, but you're not going to know. You're not going to see the whole staircase, you know, all at once. You've got to get one thing at a time. Start with that. You're, you're going to be calling brokers. You're going to be learning how to underwrite deals. You're going to be getting into this and then, and it will all start to make sense as you get into it. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Super excited for today's show. I've got a first deal episode coming up for you with, with Noel Walton. He and his team recently closed on a 172 unit in Waco, Texas, C-class value-add property for $11.8 million. And, and we're going to talk all about that today. So Noel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, good, good to have you on. I think uh, we yeah. we first connected, you know, almost two years ago, I think. But uh, you know, ha- happy to see that you guys closed. And uh, what's extra nice is I I already know half of your team, so this was this was a fun yeah. one to watch, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. As yes, finally, it's great to to uh, get together with you here on the podcast. And then we like said we've been in contact on LinkedIn for a while, and finally got to meet you in person at the, the Michael Blanc conference uh, last oh, month, yeah. actually. So that yeah, was great. That, yeah, that was nice. Um, Got to say, you, you're taller than you look on on screen. You really are. Yeah. So I always say um, everybody's the same height on Zoom, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you, you look you look about the same height as I do. You're looking at my screen <laughs> and looking at your LinkedIn profile, but uh, yep. I got to say, I look up to you. You know, I really do. So um, <laughs> that said, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, you know, kind of lead us. You know, weave a tale of how you got into apartment investing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm active duty army. I've been in active side of uh, the, the military for 16 and a half years now. Started my career in 1999 and as an enlisted Air Force member, did six years there in security forces uh, at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland. And uh, you had some some fun times in presidential Air Force One security and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of led me to the path of uh, going into law enforcement on the outside. And then I missed the military and said, Hey, let's go to school full-time and go to ROTC, end up going the army route. So um, that, that took me to army aviation and always wanted to be a pilot. So I worked my butt off, uh, got into aviation Been a black Hawk Mm -hmm. pilot since 2011. And uh, it's, it's been awesome. Loved it. Um, it's, It's been a good ride, you know, but along the way, I, 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 you know, really had an interest in real estate investing. I had initially got in, got the initial idea through the late night TV commercials in the early 2000s mm-hmm. with Carlton Sheets. And, oh yeah, uh, you, yeah. I remember seeing him on there. Yeah, way I back. I do. I, Carlton, he was the uh, he was in that uh, shoot. I'm trying to remember Will Smith show back in like late 80s, early 90s, uh, and his name was Carlton in the show too. Um, what's that called? You know what I'm talking about, right? 
Ah, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'll have to look back at that. Fresh one. Prince of Bel Air. Okay, there you Fresh go. Fresh Prince. Okay. Fresh I don't Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember I remember those late night TV commercials because I was a big, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan when I was uh, a teenager. But uh, that dates me quite a bit. I think uh, a lot of people can probably <laughs> peg my age right now. And um, well, he he was uh, yeah he had the you know using other people's money for mm-hmm. real estate and you know he he had his own course and all that so he you know he'd talk about how you know he'd have his commercials and uh, be standing in his nice house and his nice cars and uh, you know order my my cassette tape course so you know being yeah. a, an E three I was like hey I'll spend one hundred fifty dollars and order that cassette tape course so I did that and started educating myself early on. But I, I, the key piece that was missing for me was the mindset. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know really that I had the ability to do it. You know, I, yeah. it made sense in my mind, but it was just taking the action uh, that I never did. It was, it was fear. It was limiting beliefs uh, that, that I, I just had to grow. And I didn't know how to, how to get there at that point. So fast forward, years went by, uh, you know, things kind of went out of sight, out of mind. Uh, then it, when I went to college, uh, while I was in ROTC, a buddy of mine that we were both in ROTC together, he and his dad were flipping houses and the perfect time, 2008. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on in 2000. I was a college student, just focused on, uh, you know, trying to get into aviation. Yeah. But uh they were looking for someone to help them out and, uh, you know, help them do manual labor. So I got in there, started helping for eight to 10 bucks an hour, just to make a little extra money over the summer and started to figure out more about what they were doing. And, yeah. uh, uh, they had me inputting expenses and I see the spreadsheet with uh, income of $20,000 per month. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, there's something to this for sure. Uh, these guys just work whatever hours they want. They buy these houses as foreclosures. They uh, fix them up and rent them out and they're making bank. So there's, there's definitely something to this. And uh, that kind of re-sparked things for me. Uh, and, you know, it, I think a lot of it was just that idea, that limiting belief that you have to have tons of money to get into real estate investing, which I know is not mm-hmm. the case now. But yeah, I, I, of course, didn't know how to, you know, like, oh, I don't have money. I'm a college student. Yeah. So fast forward to... Uh, after I commissioned and got to my first duty station for flight school, I got out there and found a, a small townhouse, bought the townhouse, overpaid, didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, hey, it's, it's cheaper mortgage than rent, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I bought that, got a, uh, you know, I did a little bit of house hack with a, a roommate, one of the, the rooms, and uh, mm-hmm. that started things off. And from there, I went to Hawaii, used a VA loan. I uh, found a short sale and we got a little bit smarter each time and we started mm-hmm. getting into the podcast. This was the early days of the bigger pockets and, yep. uh, you know, reading all the books we could get a hold of, uh, the, you know, the Robert Kiyosaki, you name it. Uh, that's, that's where things, the mindset started to turn on at that point. Yeah. And got the a couple education. of those on my shelf right behind me. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So that's where everything kind of kicked off and we, we did well on the short sale. Of course, the appreciation in Hawaii is still insane. Uh, we sold that house, made a good profit, went back to Alabama. And uh, that's where we said, hey, let's let's use this capital and, and really do something with it. So we took the plunge into some fix and flips. Uh, we rehabbed once, been renting out ever since, owned free and clear, borrowed against that, uh, did, did several other flips, made some more profits off those. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was fun. We enjoyed it. 
and we had tenants in different properties and gained some experience there. But we realized this is very hands-on. It's not scalable. Uh, and now we're, you know, now we're having our second daughter and they're both mm-hmm. young and require our attention and our time. What are we going to do from this point? We don't have yeah. that, that bandwidth at this point to do that hands-on work. And that's when I started to hear more about passive investing through multifamily and, um, and just investing in general and like mm-hmm. hearing what the benefits are of multifamily. And uh, that, that brought me to learning more about who's now my mentor, Rod Cleef, and mm-hmm. jumping into his education program, which has been phenomenal. Uh, but really, it's uh, you know, just being able to take the action and take advantage of the education is you can educate all day long, but if you're not taking the action, you're not going anywhere. You know, the, the knowledge oh, alone is not going to get you anywhere. So that, that was the key is, uh, you know, really uh, January of 2020. Uh, that's when I made that full decision and just went full bore. So nice. it, it has been paying off and dividends. Um, uh, the first things, you know, building a team, built a team. We've been working it hard, uh, got, got our first deal done. We're in our Really, second uh, second syndication deal now. I'm also a co GP on another. It'll be uh, another third. It'll be my third uh, syndication. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're we're getting after it and having a blast doing it. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's fun fun to see. Fun to see. So something I'd like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and um, you know, you, you talk about you know what you've done, and and you may have brushed upon this a little bit, but. You know, I like to ask everybody what their big burning why is and what their motivation is for doing this. So what drives you to, you know, pursue these big multifamily deals? For me, it's having options is, is the, the big blanket. Um, I guess that, you know, that that's the broad generic way of saying it, but if I want to get into specifics, it's, it's having the options to where, you know, how much time I get to spend with my family, where we get to travel together, when we want to travel, how we want to travel. That, that is huge for us. Uh, my wife is mm-hmm. from Austria. So we, you know, we have very close ties there with mm-hmm. her family. And uh, we, you know, we want to have a, uh, you know, my post-retirement life in Europe and we want and need to be able to travel back and forth mm-hmm. between the U S and Austria so that's part of it. That's a drive, um, you know, getting our kids in the best education that we can for them, uh, providing mm-hmm. them with the options in their life for their growth in education. Um, and like I said, just building memories with them. That's a huge part of, you know, being able to do that as much as possible when they're young, you know, still yeah. you know, keeping that, that family bond together. And that that's huge for us also is outside the family side of things is, uh, being able to give back to veterans and there, you know, there's such a, a huge problem with the, the homeless veteran population and the PTSD and suicide and all of these things that, that we know as service members that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the things we experience in the, in the service contribute to, um, but there's so many great nonprofits out there. There's so many great causes, uh, that we want to be able to give back to and, and do our part as a team as well to, to give back and, and assist veterans. So th- those are our, our biggest ones. And uh, like I said, it's just being able to give back, you know, and, and, and now having this knowledge and, and this experience that I'm gaining now, 
it's a lot of it for me that's so exciting is bringing value to other people that want to learn about the business. I, you know, I've connected with so many people through whether it be LinkedIn or Clubhouse or Instagram, and we start talking and and they're like, "Hey, how do I get started?" Well, let's let's talk. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I love just I don't charge you. I just want to sit down and like see where you're at if it's something that yeah. is is fits in your your goals for your future and if i can help you i will i will give you every resource and and bit information that i can to help yeah yeah that's that's huge that's huge um and i i too been on dozens and dozens of calls like that uh i should keep track the number i'm probably into the hundreds by now but uh yeah um, I mean, that were the same. So, yeah, I appreciate the the causes. I mean, the the veteran uh, causes a lot of homelessness, a lot of PTSD, a lot of a lot of issues there. Um, and then just to reiterate, you know, money gives you options, and that's that's one thing that, you know, I, I think a lot of people are you know realizing with, you know, maybe a single stream of income is their options are extremely limited, and you know, being able to invest and grow, you know, your your income and have those extra streams provides you with options and that's that's what it's all about um so let's let's talk a little bit about building the team and you know where you found your partners and how how that came about yeah so we it, it was interesting you know i i didn't build it as i would say as intentionally as mm-hmm. someone might want to normally but how we came together was really cool um that I, you know, I just started learning the business. I knew, Hey, I need to get out and network. You know, your network is your net worth as you hear it all the time. So, all right, I'm out networking, I'm contacting people, I'm posting and I post in uh, a local Facebook um, active duty, passive income group. And I know there's a lot of military on there. So like, Hey, anybody in Colleen Fort hood area, love to connect if you're investing in multifamily. And uh, my first partner, Miles Spezios, responded and he said, Hey, let's meet up for coffee. So we met for coffee, began talking, found out we, we had both just started learning about the business. We both had just invested as LPs in a couple different uh, deals. And we both had the same visions, uh, same goals that we wanted to achieve that we wanted to be active investors. So we said, Hey, you know, let's, uh, before we fully commit to anything, let's just, let's just start running some numbers together, putting a couple, a couple LOIs out. And uh, if we could, if we can do a deal together, see how we work together. If we like it, we'll keep doing more. So we you know, left nice. it pretty open. And so we we started doing that through uh, through 2020. Uh, it was a tough time, you know. Deals were kind of hard to find, especially with COVID and all. Uh, but along the way, we we connected with a couple other uh, that are in my networking group. It was uh, James May, who's a former Marine and uh, Foreign Service. And Tom Groves, who is a retired Navy Master Chief, just served for mm-hmm. 26 years. And uh, these guys bring some great skills to our team. We bring them in, and um, it, it just so happens like we all bring skills that cover the the breadth of what we need to be successful in each deal. And yeah. uh, I I I cover a lot of the relationship building. I love to get out and talk with brokers, with investors. I love to be on podcasts. I love I love mm-hmm. talking about our team. It's, I'm passionate about it. I'm excited. My partner Miles, he is our underwriter. He is our cyber ops guy. So he started yeah. Air Force captain. Is now in the Space, Space Force. Force. Yeah, he just yeah. transitioned to Space Force. Smart guy. Uh, he's he's been learning this business so fast. Uh, really 
is all about the numbers mm-hmm. and uh, t- James and Tom really bring a, a, a great asset management skill set to our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, capital raising and asset management, we're all doing capital raise right now. It's just the nature of the beast. You know, we're all raising for deals. Yeah. So uh, that's what we got to do starting out. And, uh, but these guys are staying after, you know, keep keeping on these property managers, keeping the business plan on point, on budget, uh, all of that. So, they've, I mean, they're, they're really doing some great stuff. So uh, yeah, throughout this, it's been, been a great partnership and we, we have really learned so much about ourselves, about each other, what our strengths are and how to better refine our roles based off our strengths, which has been great. So, so to re- recap, I mean, you, you found your partners in networking groups that were aligned with investing and, and some of them multifamily specific, you know, which I think is a yeah. recurring theme when I talk to people, it's just that the networking events are key to yeah. finding the partners, yeah. you know, and you never know, like when you went to coffee with Miles, I mean, you had no idea what that would turn out with. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. you had a copy with a lot of other people where it didn't turn out, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to put yourself out there. You got to talk to people and you got to, like yeah. you did with miles, try to take things to the next level. Um, and incidentally, I mentioned earlier that I, that I know, you know, a couple of your partners, Tom and I were stationed together at the consulate in Rio back in 2014, 2015 timeframe. So I know him and his wife and, and Miles is in our tribe of Titans, one of the, the first members to sign up for that. But uh, so I know those guys and uh, I think you got a great team assemble. But uh, yeah, thank you. Um, well, let's start talking, you know, about the, the deal specifically. Tell us how you found it. So this specific deal, I, I had established a relationship with a broker here in Texas and you know, he had sent us a few deals and, and starting out, of course, I, I'm sure he was thinking, you know, these are just a bunch of newbie tire kickers and Hey, you'd send us the, the leftovers that nobody was buying and we'd run the numbers on them. But, uh, I think he noticed that as we would get back to him, you know, we would run the numbers and give him feedback. Like, Hey, these guys know their numbers. They know, they know what they're talking about. You know, we, we made sure we, we were on point giving him very solid feedback and, yep. Uh, you know, then you just, I, I stayed in touch with him regularly, let him just keep that follow-up. And I think he, you know, he really got to realize, Hey, we're, we're a solid team and we've got some good backing, good sponsor that is partnered with us. And, you know, he, he brought us a deal, uh, this, this 172 unit in Waco. And we put our first offer in based off of our underwriting, came up with our number, uh, submitted that. And found out a few days later that we didn't get the deal. So someone else had come in with a uh, you know significant amount of hard money on day one, uh, and we just you know we weren't quite ready to do that uh, two hundred thousand dollars of hard money yeah. up front. So we're like, okay, oh well, we lost it. Let's uh, let's move on. Keep looking for more deals. So we we kept doing our thing. Uh, meanwhile, I continued the follow up with that broker. Mm-hmm. Found out a couple months later that that seller was about to fall out of contract, uh, could not raise his funds. So uh, we actually uh, had a second chance and the broker said, Hey, I I really like you guys as a team. I think you would be great to work with. Uh, I want to get your strongest offer in front of this, this seller. And uh, we, we worked our numbers, got it as strong as we could, 
got us in the door. We did a little more negotiation and uh, mm-hmm. that got us under contract. So nice. that's, that's what got us, uh, got us there and got the ball rolling. So, so the first time around, you mentioned you, you weren't ready to put hard money down. Second time around was hard money part of your offer. It was. Yeah. And, and the seller was still wanting a couple hundred thousand dollars hard. Um, mm-hmm. We managed to negotiate that down to a 25 K hard day one and mm-hmm. uh, the remaining uh, 1% of the purchase price, which was 118 K total uh, that mm-hmm. went hard after the due diligence period. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we were able to, you know, get a little more favorable to our, uh, our side of the deal, which is great. And, uh, yeah, but yeah. Well, of course we, you know, we had to be willing to, uh, pony up a little bit on, on the front end. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it is a competitive market and in a com- competitive mm-hmm. market like that, the sellers can, they, they got a little more leverage to demand that, you know? So, yeah. and mm-hmm. sellers are just, they're, they're obviously looking out for their own interests and somebody who's willing to put, you know, 25, 50 or a hundred grand down hard day one. They're yeah. more likely to close on it. I, I think is yeah. what uh, you know what what the sellers are looking for. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, we've uh, we we've been able to negotiate some creative terms as well. You know, to try to you know avoid that you know entire earnest money being hard day one. On, on the last one we closed, uh, we negotiated a fifteen day contingency period instead of like a thirty, which a lot of people put in, um, where our money went hard at the fifteen day mark. You know, so. Mm-hmm. That got us out of hard money. I think it was enough to show the seller that, hey, you know, we're willing to whittle this down to fifteen instead of of thirty. You know, what do you think? And it uh, it worked yeah. for us. So. Yeah, and that was that was part of ours as well. It was a a very short due diligence period, yeah. but um, you know, it, it it drove us to ensure we were really getting out there every day and putting in the work uh, to you know yeah. not wasting any time. And uh, I think that that helped show some confidence to the seller as well. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the due diligence process since you brought that up, you know, tell us, tell us about due diligence and and how that went for you guys. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, first things, obviously you're, you're, you're wanting to look at those, those major items that could be very expensive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number one sewage, uh, you know, your your sewer lines coming out of the buildings, you're going to get those scoped. Uh, Yeah. Commercial plumber goes out, puts his camera through, Make sure that there's no broken lines, no clogged lines. Uh, looking for bellies where you know the the water has essentially carved out um, areas where there, where things uh, where there be objects or water could be sitting in the line. Uh, you're looking for those discrepancies there that could cost you in the future. You know whether it be backups or uh, you know the the breakages and things like that. So uh, that that was one piece, you know, just, just going through those. That's, that's very time consuming when you have 19 mm-hmm. buildings on a property, you know, there's a lot of lines to go through. Yep. So it's about three to four days worth of camera uh, line scoping there. Uh, we, you know, we initially, one thing we found out and this being new, I mean, of course you want to get on top of things. I went out and, and uh, paid for a, a phase two environmental to go out mm-hmm. and they did their thing, came back, we got our report negative and all that, which was great. Uh, but then we found out later that the lender wanted to have their oh, so own person out. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we were like, okay, so that's, uh, we were able to work out, uh, you know, the mortgage lender was able to 
uh, front that second one for us since they didn't tell us that beforehand that they were going to be having, they were going to have their own. So, uh, but yeah, just a little point that could save someone a couple thousand dollars on the front end. Um, yeah. We so work through that. We do to try to save, save the money is in, in our paperwork, we will ask sellers for any existing environmentals, you know? So, yeah. um, and at the rate properties are trading hands nowadays, you know, a lot of sellers have an environmental, you know, two years old, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, we'll at least have a warm and fuzzy looking at that two-year-old environmental to say, okay, I think we're good. Yeah. Obviously knowing that the lender is going to do its own, you know, environmental later on. But, uh, anyway, quick tip, you know, we didn't know that the first time around, yeah. but save, we'll save you, save you money from here on out. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. And that's, you know, and especially once you know that that environmental is going to look back on the history of the property to see, mm-hmm. if, you know, and, previous decades, was it a laundromat or something on that yeah. same plot of land? And then, you know, okay, that's that, that part's covered. So that's yeah. good. And if you've got a two, three, four year old environmental study and it's just been apartments for two, three or four years, you're, you can be fairly certain that you're going to get a clean bill of health when that comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's good stuff. Any other lessons learned from, from the due diligence period that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. So, you know, re- really for us, you know, we went through all the major items, uh, you know, found a few, few items of concessions that, you know, you, it's, it's a little bit different in the commercial side. And just as you know, one piece of, of information is that, you know, you don't normally make concessions on small things like you would with a residential property when you're going mm-hmm. to buy, you know, you, you might nickel and dime on a, on a residential all day long, but on a commercial property, you really don't want to, you know, try to bring up concessions or things on uh, with a seller, unless it's, uh, you know, really significant items, you know, that, that really can be expensive. So, you know, if you get those type of items, um, you know, we, we, we actually worked a lot of that communication through our broker. I, I would say the, the better option and to cover yourself is the right answers always go through your attorney when it comes to those mm-hmm. sort of things uh, that, that, can really uh, keep you know be sure that it keeps things open and documented uh, between both of the seller and the buyer's counsel. Mm-hmm. All right, good advice there. All right, so yeah. let's uh, we talked uh, we talked about getting our contract due diligence. You know, the other beast is funding. You know, it's two parts of funding. You got a loan and you got capital raise. Um, you know, walk us through how you funded this. You know, eleven point eight million dollar deal. Yeah. So uh, first off, we we got approved for Fannie Mae backed financing, mm-hmm. and um, it was a a thirty year amortization, sixty five percent loan to cost, and a five year interest only, which uh, that really helps out a lot with the cash flow the first few years. Only Absolutely. only having to pay the interest on that debt. So that that was uh, for us great terms. Uh, you know, the interest rate being in the, the, about the mid threes, roughly, uh, we, we were, you know, really happy with the, the terms there. And, you know, obviously it's, we knew it was going to be a good performing property, but this five years of IO would really help us out in the first few years as we carried out our business plan as well to ensure that we could continue to cash flow for our investors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so 65% LT, LTV means you have 35% to, to cover. Tell me, tell me how you guys cover that 35%. So roughly, you know, math in public four, four and a half million. 
right there. Yeah. Yeah. About four and a half million. Uh, we, you know, initially, so we, we started our or, organically raising and this was a 506 B syndication. So mm-hmm. it had to be from substantial uh, relationships that we had with people currently. Uh, so it was a challenge, you know, it was a big raise, uh, mm-hmm. but w- what we did, Hey, let's figure out what we can do to help close the gap on the equity. So we, we mm-hmm. were able to get a private equity firm into the deal as well. Uh, they brought one and a half million into that. And that, uh, that really brought down our requirement considerably helping us reach the closing table, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does, it does uh, come at a higher interest rate, a little bit higher terms. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, it did work out in our underwriting and you know, we were able to underwrite them technically as a second position debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, they are in reality, they're not debt just because of the, the yeah. way that the legal structuring of the deal has to be for Fannie Mae to accept them into the deal. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, you know, in, intricate details as far as that goes, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they were able to cover that. It, uh, you know, br- brings our blended interest rate up slightly higher, but they're only in the deal for two and a half to three years, then we'll be able to pay them out. And uh, the rest of that cash flow is is then better spread out to our investors, which is great. So yeah. um, we got that. Then of course there was the the raise itself. Beyond that, you know, we're looking at close to three mil that we, that we were able to raise organically, and uh, it was a lot of work. You know, it's it's just all about getting out there, talking to people, uh, setting the webinar presentations, getting people on that webinar, and really presenting it well and being able to answer people's questions and setting up follow-up calls. So, you know, it's really stayed busy. You had to be able to get on several calls a week. Um, And, you know, over time, uh, our goal is to get to this, to the point where a lot of this is more automated, takes less of our own time. As we build that list, uh, we know that there's going to be more serious investors ready to go uh, without having to Essentially, dial for dollars. you know, yeah, dial for dollars and hit those initial, you know, the Facebook messages and the LinkedIn mm-hmm. messages and all of that. So, yeah. you know, starting out, that's that's really, you know, you just have to uh, hit it hard, hit the streets hard. So uh, that's that's what we did. And yeah. um, I, I got a Facebook message from Tom on this one. So, yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that one. But uh, um, yeah, so it's uh, and that's something to be said about, you know, automating the capital raising process, you know. I think everybody's first deal is going to be very similar to what you just talked about, where it's it's very intensive. It's very much getting on the phone and dialing for dollars, you know, following up with everybody who showed interest. But, uh, you know, if, if you follow the philosophy, like you said, where all of you guys are always raising, you know, you're always raising capital and you're always finding the next person who, who's interested in investing, pretty soon it does get easier and it comes to the point to where you can send an email or two out or a string of emails, have a webinar and then watch the money pour in. But, uh, yeah, exactly. um, you know, that's, that's where we're trying. Um, you know, we've gotten to that point. Our, our last raise was $3 million and that's how we raised the 3 million. You know, I think if we were trying to try to jump up to a, you know, five or $10 million raise, we'd be dying for dollars right now too, but, uh, we'd get there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that, that's um, what's great. It's like the first time around, you you it's stressful, but we know, hey, we if we have to get to that two to three million, we we know we can hit that. You know, that's yeah. and uh, we're you know the plan is to grow that and continue to grow that investor list and get and make sure that once they are in that they are 
loyal that they they want to come back for more investments that they yep. they trust us at that point and they're excited for our next deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you closed in March. Um, how have mm-hmm. things gone since March? I know you it's mentioned good. it's, it's yeah. uh, Tom that does mostly asset management. So I mean, just mm-hmm. just wave tops if you could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For us, it, you know, the the big part of this obviously it's a value add. So mm-hmm. uh, the, it, our rents taking over this was it was very mismanaged and uh, low, very low rents. Um, they were not enforcing late fees on rents, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of upside there. And we've put in a, a very good institutional level property management company that has put on-site management. This other company did not have on-site, which was very surprising yeah, for that for size. 170 units, no on-site. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Got yeah, it. It just, I couldn't understand wow. that. Um, but yeah, uh, they, yeah. but they kept their rents low and that's how they stayed occupied. So, yeah. so yeah, we, we went in there and first things for us was to take the, the old leasing office, which was right by the pool and move that to what at one time used to be a leasing office, uh, mm-hmm. turn that back into a leasing office, but first renovate it to the, mm-hmm. the specs of what our new renovated units are going to be. Uh, so what that does is, you know, people come in it's to check the place out. Yep. It's that first impression. They say, Hey, you know, they see exactly what they can envision, what their space, their living space is going to look like when they mm-hmm. rent one of those renovated units. And uh, that, that's, that was our first step. Get that, get their, their new furniture, everything moved in there. And uh, they're operating out of that now. And we're, we're working hard on the renovations where we were able to, get a significant amount of units vacated early on. Uh, a lot of it was evictions for non-payment. Uh, you will see a lot of that with mismanaged properties. Um, they just kind of let things slide. And uh, although they were very uh, occupied, say, they were their economic vacancy was yeah. much higher. So, so, so you're fortunate to be in, an, in a location that uh, would still have been I mean, with the eviction moratorium. I mean, as of the data recording, mm-hmm. that uh, Supreme Court struck that down two days ago. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. um, you're fortunate to live in a jurisdiction where they were still evicting people, you know. And I know there's yeah. a lot, um, a lot of places that weren't. But uh, something to be said about you know purchasing properties in the landlord-friendly states as opposed to the tenant-friendly states. You were able to yeah. do that. So absolutely, yeah, and. and- yeah, it a lot of it. Yeah, like you said, a lot of it's state interpretation uh, or how they go about it. But none of these residents uh, had the uh, proper documentation yeah. that is required to show I have a hardship due to COVID. They just weren't yeah. paying, and so uh, yeah, it was easy enough to get them out. Uh, we you know we took a big hit to the occupancy level, but that that is an opportunity. So we yeah. took that to turn those units, getting those remodels in, and we have already got. Uh, half of those filled and pre-leased and uh, all of them are pre-leased at this point. So there's a demand there, you know, people are wanting those nicer units and, you know, the area is growing. Um, that's what we love about it. It's a, it's, it's been one of those under the radar markets, you know, a secondary it's, it's, you know, an hour and a half or so South of Dallas. Uh, but it's right along I-35 great market. There's, you know, a lot of jobs coming to that area. So it's uh, it is a growing market, and we expect to see some good things there over the next uh, ten years. But yeah, that's uh, that's generally what we've been doing is the interior. Next, we're we'll hitting the exterior renovations. Uh, that you know, been been working on a couple items on the exterior before we can get started, 
but uh, that's going to be a full exterior paint job. We're going to get a uh, new signage rebranding and give it a whole new look, which is great. So yeah, a whole new reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Make, make it, make it a brand new property. Uh, changing the name to rebranding. Yes. Changing the name. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You might've mentioned that I might've missed it. So I apologize, but uh, no worries. Um, yeah. So, and, and so a couple, three, a couple questions just uh, to finish up here. Um, first one is what's next for you? Well, yeah, we, we are currently under contract on, on more deals. And um, so continuing to grow the portfolio, provide more opportunities. Nice. Uh, we're, we're still looking in the Texas, primarily central Texas area. We like the, these markets a lot. Uh, there's there's serious growth happening in Texas, so we're, you know we're jumping on the secondary and even some of the tertiary markets. I mean, it's those are going to be next. When you see the cap, the cap rate compression that's been happening, mm-hmm. the you know it's getting so competitive. You go to Dallas Fort Worth and you're looking at you know sub four cap rates mm-hmm. on properties, and it's just insane. You know, so now the only place people can go when the when the population gets so saturated is out they're going to go to these secondary surrounding markets yeah. uh you know waco being one we're going to see we're going to see other areas that are you know just anchor markets or anchored to those primary markets and uh, we, we expect to see some some growth there you know you can get them a lot of these properties much cheaper per door and there's a lot more opportunity there. So as those areas grow and the demand grows, uh, obviously then you know cap rates uh, will tend to go down, and obviously Prices the rents the rents are going to go up Good as long you. as inflation goes up. So. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And that that's something you know we got hundreds and hundreds of years of history that says you know real estate prices are going to keep going up. You know, I mean there might be mm-hmm. little there might be some cycles where there's a temporary down, but they will continue to go up. Um, Absolutely. The future is anything like the past. Um, so one of my favorite questions for the ask, the uh, first deal episodes, uh, what advice would you give an aspiring investor who's six to 12 months behind you? So for this aspiring investor, what I always tell them when I'm speaking is first, you know, find, find a mentor, find someone who's been in the business and, you know, just I, obviously somebody that's that is experienced is going to be busy, but find ways to bring them value. And whether it be through learning to underwrite a deal and say, Hey, I've got this deal. It looks great. Can you take a look at it? Can we, could I possibly partner with you? Can I learn? Can I do something to help you out? Um, that that's one great way to get in with a mentor and, uh, whether it be that or even or the route I took buying into a, a coaching program, there's great ones out there, several of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look into those. There's obviously they're not cheap, but if you're taking the action, they will be worth it. Uh, yeah. the, the the resources are there. So, uh, and the net the network is in those as well. That's what I love is you have the network, you have the the uh, education, you have the mentorship, and the coaching is all in one deal, one package, and all those resources are available. So I say start with a mentor take action, learn everything you can, but don't just spend all your time learning, you know, be, be able to go make yourself uncomfortable, take action. And as you take action, you're going to see what the next action is you need to take. It it will become apparent as you move through it, but you're not going to know, you're not going to see the whole staircase, you know, all at once, you got to get one thing at a time. And uh, that's what I say. Start with that. 
uh, and you'll start seeing what comes next. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to be calling brokers. You're going to be learning how to underwrite deals. You're going to be getting into this and then, and it will all start to make sense as you get into it. So that, that that's honestly what I say is just, you just got to get, get the basic education going. And then as you learn each step, take action on it. Yeah, I, I think that's that's sound advice. I mean, I, I did something similar. It wasn't Radcliffe, but uh, I, I paid for a coaching program. And, you know, looking back at it, there was nothing magical about, you know, that specific program. But, you know, the, the network that came along with that and, you know, the experienced operators who were able to give us advice really mm-hmm. um, was a big help to us and still is a big help to us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I second second everything you said on that one. All right. Last question. How can listeners learn more about you? So, um, you know, really you can reach out to me on my, my, uh, email. If you'd like that, that is Noel N O E L at J core J C O R E investments.com. Uh, you can reach out to us through our, we have a J core Facebook page. Uh, we have our website, J investments.com. So those are all great ways to reach out. Plus we have an Instagram as well. So, uh, you know, you can reach out to us on any of those platforms. Uh, we are uh, actually in the process soon. Uh, we will be launching September 9th, uh, Thursday, every other Thursday night, a multifamily Zoom meeting. And so we're excited for that. So it'll be uh, every every two weeks, uh, completely free. And it, we will be starting that at 6 p.m. Central on Thursday, nice. every other Thursday. So we, we will plan to have uh, a different guest speaker each time to talk about different topics on multifamily real estate. Uh, very, very experienced and everything from the, uh, the GP operator side to the limited partners to insurance, you name it. So want to bring as much value as we can through that and give people a great opportunity to network. And nice. uh, we'll be excited to to get people on board there and uh, meet more folks. Yeah. All right. We'll put links to the, uh, the social media, the website and your, your email address in the, in the show notes. So anybody who's interested, you know, please reach out to Noel. Um, he's got a lot of good stuff going on for you. Um, that said, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. And uh, hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.